We all fail at something, something goes wrong, we get hit in the face by a ball, we fall over, we do something embarrassing, and then of course someone catches it on video, and it can be fun to laugh at, that's why Australia's Funny Some Videos has been going forever, because people keep failing at stuff. But it would seem strange to think that Paul's visit to the Thessalonians was a fail. We saw last week how much of a model church they'd become. So what might cause the Thessalonians to think it was a failure? Well, we heard from Acts chapter 17. Let's let's think about the facts we have. He only lasted three weeks before he was chased out of town and then chased out of the next town. He That means three Sabbaths worth of teaching for brand new believers. The Jews said that he'd caused trouble all around the world and now he'd come to cause trouble in Thessalonica. And of course, the persecution Paul had faced would surely have come upon the Thessalonian Christians as well. So you could forgive the Thessalonians for thinking that perhaps it was a failure. They might have thought, was Paul and his gospel just a fake? Was he really just a troublemaker? Ever since he left, we've just been persecuted. It would be like the uh, new high school scripture teachers being kicked out after only three lessons or if you'd planned a week-long beach mission and then the caravan park sent you home after one day it would seem like a failure but Paul here in chapter 2 quickly wants to dispel any thoughts that his time there had been a failure see verse 1 you know brothers that our visit to you was not a failure We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. His visit was not a failure because he told them the gospel. Paul, Timothy and Silas had come from Philippi where they'd been beaten up and thrown in jail. Paul could have easily have just thrown in the towel, but no, he didn't. With the help of God, he dared to tell them the gospel. Because that was what was most important, sharing the gospel, no matter what opposition there was. And what is this gospel he was sharing? Well, last week we learned that it was turning from idols to serve the living and true God. It is waiting eagerly for Jesus, who died and rose again to rescue us from God's wrath. This gospel came to the Thessalonians from God, not men. Paul wasn't trying to trick them. Rather, he'd been approved by God. See in verse 3, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. This gospel that Paul was sharing had been entrusted to them by God. It was no fake. It was the real deal. And Paul had to make sure that they knew it. Not like when you go somewhere, for example, Paddy's Markets in Sydney, and someone is trying to rip you off. They offer you a watch with the Rolex logo on it. And they offer you a super cheap price but they're trying to trick you into thinking it really is a Rolex watch so that you'll give them your money. But you know that it is a fake 
All you have to do is go into a jeweler who has been entrusted with the real Rolex watches. Paul had been entrusted with the real gospel. Paul was not trying to trick the Thessalonians. It wasn't about his own gain. He wasn't trying to do a sly deal for his own greedy motives. He didn't come to town expecting everyone to like what he was saying or to be his best friend. He didn't come looking for praise from any man. Verse 5, he said, You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. It was about pleasing God. God will know what our motives are. He will test our hearts. Paul's visit was not a failure because he shared with them the true gospel, the same gospel we now have. If that is true, if, if the gospel Paul was sharing is from God, well, then that should be a great comfort to us. It should bring great assurance to us. We have the true gospel from God. If you were doubting the gospel's credibility or unsure whether it's from error or impure motives, worry no more. We have the true gospel from God. What a great comfort that is. And that same comfort comfort would have come to the Thessalonians. Paul continues by reminding them how he lived among them. He reminds them how much he really did love them. His visit was not a failure because he shared life. In the next few verses, Paul takes them through what that life looked like. They weren't a burden, but no. In verse 7, he says, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. Well, we know how much that is. Mothers have this incredible love and attachment to their children. Nothing gets in the way of a mother caring for her child. Just one example uh, is I remember when I was in primary school, when I would get sick, the best thing about it was how much mum would look after me. She'd set me up with some Vegemite on toast and a quality movie like The Lion King. She'd buy me some sort of present from the shops. It was the best. I'd almost want to take every day of school just to have mum look after me. Well, maybe you can think of all the times that your mum has loved you. That is the amazing love Paul is describing here. In verse 8 he says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. It was a delight, a joy to share life with them. Why? Because they'd become great friends, because of that dear love he had for them. In just three Sabbaths, Paul had developed a great care, a burden for these people. For Paul, it wasn't just about teaching them the Bible. It wasn't just about getting up in the synagogue or church and and preaching. While they are good and important things, there's something important about sharing life as well. Sharing in the struggles, sharing the experiences, the joys and pains. And this life sharing, well, it wasn't easy going. Paul wasn't just sipping lattes and hosting dinner parties. Now he was raising a sweat. Verse 9 says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. 
They clearly worked hard all day, and the Thessalonians knew about it. They did that not to look impressive or to conform to people around them. No, no, they did it not to be a burden, not to hinder anyone from hearing the gospel. Paul and his friends were ready to do whatever necessary so that nothing got in the way of them preaching the gospel. And that showed in the way that they lived. Just to remind them of what exactly that did actually look like, Paul goes on to name six more things that they did. Six ways to live among each other. See if you can spot all six, reading from verse 10. You are witnesses, verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Well, did you see them? Three adjectives, three verbs, six words. Number one, holy. That means to be set apart, to act differently from those around you, to live as God's chosen people. Number two, to be righteous, to be aiming not to sin, to live the way God wants you to. Number three, blameless. Live in a way that you can't be accused of anything. Number four, encouraging. Using your words to build each other up. Keeping each other on track with godliness. Number five, comforting. Being there when life gets tough. Looking at the positives. And number six, urging. Spurring each other on to persevere to the end. Maintaining accountability for Bible reading and prayer. And they do all this because it leads to living a life worthy of God. God has called us into his kingdom. He has already saved us by his gospel of grace. That is good news. We should aim to live out that gospel, to live for the one who has saved us. Now some of you might think, well, hold on it. Paul's being a bit proud here. He's boasting about how impressive he is. Why is he saying all this? Surely the Thessalonians saw it firsthand. Well, one reason would be to remind them that, that what they are imitating, as in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, they were imitators of him and of the Lord. So his life was an example of what they were to imitate. But the second and perhaps bigger reason he would have written about what his life looked like would have been to disprove the accusations against him. Remember the Jews in Acts chapter 17 were telling everyone that he was a troublemaker and he'd come to town to cause more trouble. Well, Paul stands up to defend his ministry. He reminds them exactly how he did live among them. And of course, the accusations don't stick because they saw firsthand his motherly love and his fatherly encouragement. Paul's visit was not a failure because he shared not only the gospel but his life as well. And I think there's something we can learn from Paul here. He understood the need to share our life with people, the need to love people, that while we must work hard at understanding the Bible 
And we must share the gospel because ultimately the gospel is what saves people. But so often actions can speak louder than words. And it wasn't just Paul that thought it. Jesus says in John 13, he says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What does that look like in practice? Well, it'll be sharing your life. It'll be living a holy, righteous, blameless, encouraging, comforting and urgent life. Meeting up with people. Inviting them over for a meal. Working alongside them. Playing sport. Or helping a friend who's in need. And it should not just be with our Christian brothers and sisters either. It should be with people who don't yet trust Jesus. We should be making an effort to share our life with non-Christians. To love those around us. To, to let our lives be a witness to them. To live lives worthy of God. You see, sharing life and sharing the gospel go hand in hand. As we share life, we will get opportunities to share the gospel. This was the way that Paul lived among the Thessalonians. But it wasn't always easy going. The third and final point Paul wants to make is that his trip was not a failure despite their suffering. They have actually responded in the right way. In verse 13, Paul's thankful reminder is that they received the gospel the way they should, as the word of God, the word that is at work in in those who believe. And by that word, they became imitators of God's churches. Verse 14, For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. Individually, they were imitating Paul and the Lord. As a church, they were imitating God's other churches in Judea. And what did that imitation look like? Well, it meant suffering. Remember back in Acts chapter 17, the Jews got jealous. They got a a crowd of bad characters to kick Paul and Silas out. I have little doubt that they would have kept giving the Thessalonian church a hard time. What is Paul's comfort to them? It's to remind them that getting persecuted is part of being a Christian. They didn't respond in the wrong way. They responded in exactly the right way and that is why they're getting persecuted. And that is what's been happening to people who proclaim the gospel in all of history. Starting with the prophets, then no more so with Jesus, the Son of God himself, And similarly for Paul and churches right across the world, right through time. And of course, it's happening in the world today. Just one example of that is in North Korea, where only 1.7% of the population are Christian. The rest are non-religious or worshipping the national leaders or unknown. North Korea is the most severely persecuted country in the world today. Christians are forbidden to meet together. They are put in prison camps or executed for just owning a Bible. The nation's leaders are trying to exterminate Christianity. But despite horrific opposition, God's church is growing. 
When you live a godly life, you will be persecuted. A message for the Thessalonians and for us. But as for those who were getting in the way, who were doing the persecuting, making life hard for them, God has dealt with them. Verse 15, they displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. God is not happy when men stop the gospel from going out. God is not happy when Christians get persecuted. By being hostile or violent, by stopping the spread of the gospel, these men stack up their sins. They fill their life water jugs full of sin until it overflows. And because of this, God is angry. His wrath has come upon them at last. Or perhaps a better translation for at last would be fully or forever. These men have been condemned by God for what is perhaps one of the most serious crimes, stopping people from hearing the gospel, the gospel that saves. Paul's visit was not a failure because he shared the gospel. He shared his life despite all the persecution. I wonder, has your evangelism ever felt like a failure? Maybe you got teased more. Maybe you were isolated. Maybe you were shut down or even sent home. Perhaps we don't share the gospel or don't share our lives for fear of failure. Well, Paul's comfort here is not to be scared off. Persecution doesn't mean failure. It is to be expected. If you suffer, then you join Jesus and a long line of Christians who have done the same. If you got to share the gospel and are sharing a life worthy of God, then you have not failed. Which brings us right back to Paul's opening line of chapter 2. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. The trip was not a failure. It might have looked that way, but the Thessalonians, they got it right. They heard the gospel that was true. They got to share life with Paul. So now, despite suffering, they can be assured that they've responded in the right way to the gospel from God. This same gospel that we now have. So we ought to be delighted to share life with those around us. And should suffering come our way, be assured that we are not alone. That the, that the gospel of Jesus, the good news of his death and resurrection, is the true word of God, which is at work in us who believe. That is no failure. That is good news. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Paul's visit to the Thessalonians was not a failure because he shared not only the gospel of God, but his life as well, despite persecution. Help us to be comforted that we have the real and true gospel from you. May we be bold in sharing it. Lord, please work within us so that we can live lives worthy of you as we share our lives with those around us. And finally, help us to endure any persecution we face. We ask that nothing would get in the way of 
people being saved by your gospel. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask this. Amen.